Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show, sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, hello and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey. Great to have you here on the Smart Investing Show, talking about uh, your money, your investments, everything to help you grow your wealth. And uh, today we got uh, some things, important things to talk about because uh, the PPI, the Producer Price Index, came out uh, this past week. We're going to talk about that. Talk about freight costs because again, we're looking at inflation, how it's moving, what can happen going forward. Uh, also, two big tech companies going to talk about, well, talk about reading headlines. And also, uh, we're going to talk about meat, but not real meat, fake meat. Chase? <laughs> <laughs> Excited to talk about that. And, uh, you, you know, I did see actually in a study that now inflation has passed COVID for the biggest worry going wow. forward here. So that that's good, I guess, that we're not worried about COVID anymore. <laughs> but, you know, we're here, as always, take your calls. You have a stock you want us to break down, looking at buying, selling, perhaps. Give us a call. Phone number here, 833 833- Two eight eight zero nine seven three again. That's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. And we'll go through all those fundamentals for that company and give you our opinion on uh, what we think about that stock. And I just realized something looks different on you. You don't have a hat on today. You always wear a baseball hat. I, I got my hat, but I uh, sometimes I don't like wearing it with the headset. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just pushes down on the the button. You know. Yeah. Doesn't feel good, I know. So, well, let's talk about the producer price index because although the headline producer price index, the PPI, uh, number saw a gain of 0.3% compared to last month, I actually thought the report was in line with what we'd been expecting. If you look compared to last year, the PPI increased 7.4%, which is uh, a nice deal deceleration from the 8% level in October and the peak of 11.7% in March. And, and part of the, the reason for the deceleration is the comps are getting harder. And, and what I mean by that, we've talked a lot about this on the show, but is, is that last year the PPI showed an annual gain of 10%. So if you looked at October, excuse me, November 2021 to November 2020, you're up 10%. Well, now it's hard to grow on another 10%. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about now we're lapping those, those harder comparisons. And, and when we lap, the 11.7% number we saw in March. I, I mean, I believe it's going to be hard to grow another 7 to 8% off an 11.7% that we saw in March, especially with the decline in many commodities from their peak levels. And as a reminder, we don't believe inflation will be disappearing in 2023. We, will believe, we believe it will be decelerating to a level around 4 to 6% for the full year. And, you know, and other things we, we've talked about, too, because we talk about the 4 to 6%. There has been talk that, you know, the Fed target rate right now is 2%. Yeah. The Fed might say, you know what, maybe that's just too low. Maybe the target should be two to four percent. Mm-hmm. So we're not that far off. And and again, we we've continued to with our posts, with a radio show, with a podcast, everything that we do is talk about what inflation is. And I think people uh, they always think that because it's high, it's going to go higher. And and I I told somebody I think on a comment on our social media about the raw data. The raw data is so important to look at what's happening at the you know commodity level. Uh, what's happening next, we're going to talk about freight costs. All these things that come into inflation that drives prices up, 
you have to understand what those numbers are. Yeah, and it is so important to, to again, understand inflation. You're not comparing 20, we're going to be in 2023, which is weird to say. It is weird to say. You're not comparing 2023 to 2019. Right. You're comparing 2023 to 2022. It's the, the rate of change there in prices. It's not, oh my gosh, prices are so much more expensive in 2023 compared to 2019. That's not what inflation is. Inflation's comparing that year-over-year gain, essentially. So we've already had high inflation. Yeah, yep. it sucks. But guess what? It's done. It's in the past. Now, how do we correct that going forward? And I continue to believe you're not going to see, I don't think, another PPI level of near 12%. That was outrageously high. It's going to be hard to, I think, lap those high numbers that we saw this year. And I'm curious. I think it's on Tuesday the CPI comes I believe out. believe it is. Uh, I, I think that's going to be better than the PPI was. So, I mean, we will see. And then the next day I think the Fed meets. So if we get a decent C- CPI, uh, the Fed will have, you know, probably just do their normal increase and so forth. So I'm 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 looking for a good number. We will see. And, and part of that reason is have you, I'm sure you have, Pulled up the gas station, got gas lately. It's like I think I paid four forty for a gallon of gas. Yeah, I, I think in some places across the country, it's in the twos now. Oh yeah, it's under yeah, three. So yeah. it, you know, we're so excited to have gas around four dollars and fifty cents. Well, that's kind of the peak that other states were paying at at the high levels. Yeah. It's kind of funny, but it, it is what it is. But, but I mean, it has come down. It has come down, which which helps you know on things because consumers have more money. I think we've talked about this going to be a great holiday, and again, people pull up a pump like yeah, instead of spending eighty dollars. I only spent $60 for gas, you know, so it's, it's a much better thing there, which I think will help uh, the CPI as well. Yeah, and, and kind of just on the CPI, I think next week is going to be interesting. Again, we're not market timers. We're right. not trying to look at the market and, and, and get in and out of different things, but I, I'm just kind of letting people know, expect a lot of volatility next week. Yeah. I mean, the, the inflation, yeah. the Fed, that's what's driving the markets right now. It's not going to change how we're investing whatsoever. We, we still like our companies. We still believe they're in a good spot, but just know that things could either i think go way up next mu- next week or if inflation is hotter than anticipated yeah the, the market's going to struggle quite a yeah, bit yeah I, I don't think it will because the other thing too i've noticed is that rents and again mm-hmm. we're talking not here but we're talking nationwide uh have come down and i looked at a graph and, and actually the rents are, are come down a fair amount yeah uh but that also is a big part of cpi i think it's about 40 percent yeah so that's a big part so if they've coming down you know, and, and the thing that we talk about, well, if you own a home, who cares what rents are because you own your home anyways. Yeah. But still, it's the psychological factor that, oh, well, CPI, I'm throwing a number, oh, only 6%, you yeah. know, because if, if energy's down and uh, rents are down, um, that's a pretty good positive thing. And, and I know diesel's not come down as much because of refiners, which we can talk more about a little bit later. Um, but I don't think the diesel is included in the CPI. It might be some of there's what there's hundreds yeah. of things included in that, but percentage-wise, not very big. So, well, well, let's move on to our freight costs because um, that is part of things. And more positives on the, on the inflation front. Uh, remember how constrained shipping was last year and how expensive it had become. Well, now if you look at prices, they have come way down. Freight costs from Asia to U.S. Uh, West Coast have fallen 90%. That's right, 90% compared to last year and now stand at $1,426 FEEU. What is that? 40-foot equivalent unit. I like yeah. that number. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing we're also looking at, too, is this has pushed prices down by 5% when compared to 2019 levels. So, uh, again, prices have come down a lot 
and the, and the shipping costs. And freight costs from Asia to the U.S. East Coast now stand around $3,723 per FEU, which is down 78% compared to last year. And costs from Asia to Northern Europe are around $3,974 per FEU, which is 73% lower than last year. And, and this is, again, something that is such a huge component for businesses, yep. especially for goods. Obviously, you're not going to really be impacted if you're a predominant service business because you're not shipping stuff all right. around the world. But if all the goods that are they're moving across the world, that is very costly. And and remember the retailers, how, how hard it was for them to manage through COVID and the supply chain disruptions. And, and some retailers are going out and getting their own barges and renting their own yeah. barges. It, it was an, an immense difficulty they had to go through. Well, as we kind of talked about, the supply chain was kind of going to fix itself over time. That that appears to be happening now. And, and again, and it doesn't happen tomorrow. Just one of these, an, another thing we talk about that's going to bring inflation down. So that's why we're not worried about that. That's also, too, why we talk about we do not see, well, I'm going to say I do not see, you can <laughs> make your own comment, but I do not see uh, a major recession next year. I think it's going to be very mild. You may not even notice a recession because prices are coming down. We talked about last week, we talked about lumber coming down mm-hmm. uh, about 70% as well. I mean, all these things, rolled steel, corn, wheat, soybean, all these things coming down, which again, takes months to go on through, but that means inflation will be lower. And that's why I don't think we'll have a major recession next year. And actually somebody commented on our social media that they said we're kind of in the minority because I think they said Goldman Sachs and even J- Jamie Dimon talk about this major thing. Although uh, Monahan from B of A, He's more on our side saying, no, I don't see a major one. Well, and Diamond, actually, what he said was. Jamie Diamond, he, CEO. Yeah. Uh, JP Morgan. J- yeah. He took a, I'm going to say a pretty, pretty easy route for himself. <laughs> he said, yeah, it could be mild, could be severe. So yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't really choose. It he said we're going to have a recession, but <laughs> yeah. he didn't say if it's going to be extremely difficult or, or not. So it, it, it's something to kind of keep an eye out on. And uh, it, yeah, it is, it is kind of funny. To, but I, I bet you a lot of people looked at that. Jamie Diamond said we're going to have a severe recession. <laughs> yeah. And I just heard part of it. So that's why, again, I, I heard that he was on the other side. Um, Brian Ma- Monahan, I think his name is. Right? Yeah, Monahan or Monahan. Or BFA. Uh, yeah, he was more like, no, it's it's going to be mild. And but I, I I think Goldman Sachs was very like, oh no, we're going to have a major one. Some other ones, some major ones, and it's just like I just don't see why. And that's the thing too that I, I tell people: ask questions. Yeah. You know, I mean, why are they saying that? Don't just say, oh, it's going to be terrible. Why? What are, what are they seeing that we're not seeing? And mm-hmm. again, we spend a lot of time looking at the as we call it, the raw data. Uh, again, freight costs. Are you not looking at that? What are you looking at that you think inflation is going to be terrible and that we're going to have a major recession? Uh, and we're talking about the job market. The job market, now again, if that were to change, which I don't think it will, but if that were to change to where we had rising unemployment, uh, the, the jolts report dropped, uh, we would have a, a, a worse recession. But I just don't see that. Yeah, and, and the thing that I, I do think, and the reason I think we're going to have a recession is, is we kind of talked about it a little bit last last week on the show is that the savings rate, right. the savings rate has dropped way down, but it was extremely elevated during COVID. So people are kind of spending that excess cash that's still there. We've talked about there's a lot of cash still in the economy. I think we do need to see that savings rate creep back up. Otherwise, people are going to start going into debt. That's where all of a sudden, if we are in a recession, let's say, but the savings rate still stays low, people aren't saving money, people go into debt, that's where all of a sudden you could have issues come 2025, 2026. But I just don't see that because there's not 
enough leverage in the economy right now to have a depression or a 2008, 2009, that's what takes down economies is right. too much consumer debt. We're not in that situation. We'll have to see what happens in 2023 and how consumers respond to you know inflation, to how their savings are, are being impacted, what is happening in the money supply there. Are we burning through the M2? Those are all going to be factors. But right now, I just as we've talked about, there's too much liquidity to, to to fully take down this economy and put us into a dire situation, in our opinion. And I do want to mention, too, you had a gentleman, I guess, on your social media that talked about, um, oh, you don't understand that the savings rate's coming down. We've talked about this before. We talked about in growth rates, how the growth rate's coming down. The savings rate coming down does not mean that an M2, there's still not over $21 trillion sitting in liquid cash. Mm-hmm. The savings rate rate is coming down, but it's not, it's not, declining the the liquidity in the the economy people are going to their savings to use it but again we got 20 almost 22 trillion i think it is still so well, i'm just going to kind of use a very simplistic example let's say you're like a a broker or a, a real estate broker and you sold a house and i'm just going to make numbers very sure. very simple and you made $100,000 in the month of march and you spent you know $5,000. So your savings rate was extremely high because you only spent a little bit of your income that month. Right. But the next month, you didn't sell a house. So you had no income, but you still spent $5,000. Well, you had money left over from last month, <laughs> but now your savings rate is terrible. terrible. You know? yep. So that's why I don't like the savings rate by itself is because it just looks at a month to month, how much are you bringing in versus how much are you spending? where it doesn't consider all the amount that you have in savings. Or another thing that could happen, let's say you do a huge remodel on your house. Well, oh gosh, that was way more than you had in income that month. That that looks terrible. Yeah. So you have to understand, again, how the numbers work together. Yeah, and that's so important, understanding the numbers, because some people just don't understand the numbers. So well, let's move on and talk about the big tech companies, because I learned a long time ago not just to read the headlines and think you understand what is going on, People have been saying things are getting worse because they see the big tech companies laying off people with headlines showing numbers like 10,000 layoffs are coming up. And we have said that's only a small part, again, of the big picture. We talk about the big picture a lot. And if you look at the recent jobs report, you will see the information sector, which includes many tech jobs, actually had a net increase of 20,000 jobs. I know it takes time to read the details when information comes out, but if you don't, you won't have a clear understanding of what is really going on. And it's so important because, you know, you hear the the big names, but you don't hear, you know, XYZ technology company that's trying to expand and compete against these tech companies. And they'll take that talent from those big companies yep. and they'll hire them. So that appears to be being offset as the job growth is still occurring in that sector. So it's something we'll keep a close eye on. But, but right now, I just don't see it as a major problem. And the other thing, too, is that things have changed. I mean, it used to be all service jobs pay low. I mean, I think as a waiter, waitress, I mean, I, I know my son who works at uh, OJ's. Great place to eat, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I know they were closed for a while. They yeah. had a... Uh, Air remodel air remodel. condition that they had yeah. to take care of but I mean, we, we should go back there this weekend but anyways um but i think he was making like i want to say like 30 dollars an hour i figured out for my housekeeper because things have come up i figured out that she's making 50 dollars an hour uh for cleaning our house i mean so service jobs aren't like minimum wage they're pretty good so so don't think like oh yeah but those service jobs don't pay very much no they do pay pretty well i mean yeah. you, you you know even today making 30 to 50 dollars an hour that's pretty good. And I don't think I'm alone paying $50 for a housekeeper. If you figure out how much you pay the housekeeper and how long they work, 
it's probably between thirty and fifty dollars an hour as well. So a lot of people making very good money. Yeah. Do you factor in drive time? I know that you don't have to pay for drive time, but I'm saying it's hard because they don't work in one place, so they can't work a typical eight-hour day. I'm just being devil's advocate here. But well, do you get paid for driving to work? No, but I work in one place, so I don't have to move all the time, so I'm able to stay in one place and work right. for a, a continuous amount of time. Well, and and, and I, I see what you're saying, but, but one thing I would do, and again, if I was a housekeeper, landscaper would be another yeah. one, yeah. is I would set up my schedule mm-hmm. so that I was cleaning houses in one area, area one day, one area the next day, so that your travel time wasn't very much. And you're right, if you are zigzagging yeah. across the you county. You be smart with it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be smart, figure that out. Yeah. Let me go do a house in La Jolla and then let me go do a house in Temecki. Oh, you're not making any money. You're not making any money, yeah. So, so good point there. So, uh, phone numbers, by the way, we're gonna open the phone lines uh, just a minute here about, uh, you know, you wanna call in about uh, a stock you have or investment question. Uh, as always, get that unbiased, uh, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you wanna talk about. Phone number is 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. And as always, that will get you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. But let's finish up here and talk about plant-based meat. Can't even say it because it doesn't make sense to me. I remember about three years ago, the fad was no one was going to eat red meat and and the company Beyond Meat was going to take over the meat aisle in the grocery store. Well, fast forward to today and the company has seen its grocery store sales declining 12% even as they are cutting prices to try to boost their sales. In the most recent uh, earnings report, the revenue fell 23% year after year, year over year, uh, yielding a quarterly loss of $102 million. I still remember uh, some people telling me I was missing out and that I did not get it that people were switching over to plant-based meat. Back in the summer of 2019, the stock had peaked over $196 a share and is now down over 90%, uh, trading somewhere around $14 a share. When it comes to investing, I will always take strong fundamentals over the hype of the next best thing. And we got a lot of feedback on this on social media. A lot of people are like, I will not eat that. Look at all the, and this is something we talked about. We're not nutritionists, we're not doctors or scientists or anything, but just looking on the back of the package, you're like, what is all this yeah. stuff in here? I can't pronounce that word. What yeah. does that mean? <laughs> and I learned a long time ago in nutrition, if you can't pronounce it, it's probably not good for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> That's our expert nutritionist yeah. advice there. <laughs> but but again, it is something that I get, that people thought was going to be like great and so forth. They got burned on it. And I, I showed you a file that I have for my TV segments, different ideas I have that I built. It's, it's a pretty big file now. And and I was just looking through it. Someone went back to like 2004, and I had a thing on there about 3D printers. Another one. That was like $100 a share. It was a peak. Uh, now I think it was like back down to 9 By the way, what happened to 3D printers? You don't hear anything about a 3D printer. I guess, do they not work? I don't, I don't know. But, but again, you've got to – everybody wants to find the hot thing, like – the plant-based meats, cannabis stocks, 3D printers. You're not going to make money long-term because you're going to stay at the party too long. What you want to do, and this is why we do the workshops, which we won't have another one until, what, probably January, but how to invest on fundamentals and things that can weather the storm. Now, uh, we did talk a little bit about refiners. Uh, Refiners, uh, they're cranking out like crazy. Now, what I'm thinking, well, if they're cranking out like crazy, their profits are probably going to go up. Yeah. So these are things I look at, but it, it's not going to be as, oh, it's it's not a fad. 
you know i mean and even people say, oh yeah but what about you know green energy and evs and so forth refineries and so many different things with asphalt plastics and so forth that makeup they have. yeah yeah makeup i mean many things so and I was going to say, too, it is so funny on social media. People are like, yeah, but but you missed Amazon. Or, oh, yeah, you missed Tesla. And it's like, yeah, we did miss those. And we're never going to get those. But we right. avoid the Beyond Meats. We avoid the Pelotons. We avoid the 3D printers. And the funny, Carvana. Carvana. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is when you talk to people, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, Beyond Meat, I knew that was coming. Come on. Or Peloton, same thing. Oh, I knew Peloton was a fact. It's like, oh, yeah, it's so easy to call the game after it's over. And right. I bet you you talked to that person two years ago. They were all into the hype. <laughs> right. So and, it's, it's 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 funny how the brain works. And and, and you're never going to know. I mean, Amazon, yeah, we didn't see Amazon coming. Right. Nobody would have guessed Amazon would have gone from a, a freaking bookstore, bookstore. Right. <laughs> to what it is today. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you like what we talk about here on the radio show, we do have more in our free newsletter. Uh, other topics we uh, talk about on the newsletter are solar energy. Uh, we do talk more about inflation, uh, the labor market, uh, landfill energy. This is pretty interesting as well. And also the stock market along with diesel cars. A lot of good good topics in there. Uh, I talked to a client of ours this past week and he, he goes, I send this out to so many people for you guys because it's so interesting. Uh, get the newsletter. It is free. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And uh, it's free. Just sign up for it. You'll yeah. And, and one thing I did want to talk about just real quick before we go to the calls, it, it was in the back of my head, especially when you're talking about, you know, cranking out the oil and the, the gas, diesel and stuff. The refiners are cranking that out. We're talking about the freight costs. One thing I love about capitalism <laughs> is <laughs> supply and demand naturally fixes itself. And what's going to happen here is, you know, when you have such high prices for freight costs, I, I don't have any numbers on this, but I'm assuming the capacity of ships went way up to try and fix that problem. Well, now we have excess capacity, <laughs> yeah. so now that's what drives the cost down. Yeah. So it, it's 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 amazing how the supply and demand, and, and we talk about housing, same thing. You see, we've talked about this a lot on the show, all the apartment buildings going up, is, is people want to make profit off of that, so they'll bring on excess capacity. Many times they overshoot and bring on yeah. too much capacity, which drives prices lower. Although we, I do have to say that I know that refiners, they seem to shut one down for good. They don't rebuild a new one. The reason being is like, why would somebody spend, we'll say a billion dollars yeah. when the government is against it down the road that you're going to spend this money and you may not recoup it down the road. So that's a problem that they have to have. And and the thing that the government doesn't get, we need refineries. Yeah. You know? So, but the government does get a lot of things. And that, I don't know, right? Because the refinery we have, they do the the biodiesel, renewable diesel. Yeah. One thing I, I'm unsure of is if you can convert traditional refiners into biodiesel, renewable diesel refineries. Because if you could, then it's like there would be perhaps an incentive to to build more. But I just know the regulations on it is just. Through the and roof. I wonder if they were to build it as a green biodiesel uh, refiner that they would get more you know, leeway. Like, yep. oh yeah, you, you know, so be, and again, we did, and we won't go over it, but we talked about landfills. That's another place that energy can come from. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things you can do, but you got to refine the energy. You can't just like pull it out of the ground. Yeah. So. It just doesn't appear. It doesn't appear. So, all right. Phone number is 833-288-0973. 833-288-0973. Let's head out to Alpine and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you out? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, I have to tell you, I couldn't find your phone number this morning, but I just went into my brain, and it's been embedded in my brain 
I'm that? listening to you. I actually remembered your phone number. So. Well, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> especially, especially at my age, remembering anything is impressive. So, uh, <laughs> hey, listen, I'm uh, calling about Mo. Um, it's a nice Who's dividend Mo? stock that I've had for a while. <laughs> you, you said you've had that Mo, for a while? not about Larry, not <laughs> about Curly. About <laughs> <Mo>. <laughs> um, and they... Dividend went down all of a sudden this month, and I'm going, hmm. And I'm looking for some, uh, maybe you guys got some ideas why it might have dropped. Well, let's take a look at it. Or this, and, quarter, this quarter is a better way to say it, not right. this month. Well, let's say that uh, and, and Mo is uh, Altria Group, a tobacco company, uh, symbol is M-O. Uh, they're in the, the industry of tobacco. Um, we, we've talked about this. I'm going to go over the numbers for you, but we've kind of talked about this could be happening down the road, which maybe it's starting to happen now. Uh, they don't have much on the short on the stock. It's 0. 0.8, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, institutional ownership, 60%. Uh, P.E. ratio, 18.2 versus 16.4. Uh, price of sales, 4.1 versus 2.6. So it's coming in rather expensive. Uh, there is no price to book value. So you take away the, the assets, you take away the liabilities. There's no value to the company at all. Price of cash flow, 10.2 versus 10.3. Now... This just surprises me, but their earnings per share of past year up 72.5% versus 2.7 for the industry, but sales are down 1.8% versus 4.4. And perhaps that 72% earnings per share change could be because of the previous 12 months they had some write-offs or something. That's what appeared much higher the second 12 months. Now, they do pay a dividend of 8.1%. That's above the industry at 6.2, but what I look at is a payout ratio is 141.6%. They gotta cut this dividend. They can't keep paying out more than what their earnings are. Uh, I can't tell you what the cutout rate's gonna be, but with that type of payout ratio, y you can't do that. Eventually, you're gonna have no money left. So that's why we said this would start happening. There could be more in the future as the earnings decline, which they are doing, they will have to cut that dividend. Uh, we do see on the balance sheet, the current ratio 0.5 versus 1.1. That's kind of scary to me. That's not much liquidity. And again, there's no debt to equity because there's no equity. I will check how much debt the company has when Chase is looking at the numbers going forward. We do see a nice net profit margin, 22.7% versus uh, 16 for the industry. Return on equity, well, this is strange, a negative 110% versus a positive 33.8. Chase, what do you got? Yeah, so I see the current price here for, again, Mo Altria Group, $46.71. 52-week high was $57.05, and the low was $40.35. And, and and one thing, too, that I want to point out is I know they had issues with the whole Jewel. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Lawsuits. That might be, I don't know if there was costs that came in last year. I don't know if that lawsuit is still pending, if they sell payouts. But that is definitely something to keep a close eye out on is, is that could really be a reason for them to cut that dividend is it could suck out cash flow. And, and that's something that I, I know is important to you there, Jim. Um, but looking at the return so far year to date, it looks like it's up 4.5%. I, I, I think that's inclusive of the dividend. And one thing that I do want to point out is over the last five years, the stock's actually down 7.8%. So I, I do oh, wow. worry that while you might be getting a nice dividend with Altria Group, that you could see the same thing over the next five, 10 years is I've talked about this a lot, I don't see where growth is going to come from. I don't know. I don't think smoking is a expanding trend. I think that's why they did the jewel investment, but that didn't work out for them. Where is that growth going to come from? We talked about how Philip Morris is actually the international company. So this is, I believe, just in the U.S. Yeah. They're relying on tobacco products. I don't know if they have anything else, 
but that could be quite detrimental. And even though you might be getting a nice cash flow for the next five years, if that stock continues to fall, your, your net return could still be zero or negative. And one thing we did talk about the growth could come from, but that doesn't seem to be helping now either, is cannabis. Perhaps they would take over some type of cannabis you know, distribution or so forth, but I'm not saying anything on that. But I, I did take a, a look at the uh, uh, balance sheet here for you, Jim, and it, it doesn't look that great. I mean, the uh, cash they have on hand now is about $2.4 billion. Uh, back a couple of years ago, it was $4.8 billion, so that is down. Uh, a positive was the debt is down, but the debt is very high. The debt is down to $24.8 billion, down from $27.5 billion. But the company also has negative equity. Back a couple of years ago, uh, the equity was $5.6 billion positive. It's now a negative $4.2 billion and declining. So, I mean, th this is just a, a company waiting to have the end come. I would not be wanting to, to be at the end when it comes because I think it'll come very quickly. And I, I haven't given the numbers yet for earnings per share. I kind of got off on oh, a tangent. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, looking out to December 2023, I do see estimated earnings per share of $5. It would give us a target sell price of $83. Uh, so it is still in terms of evaluation it still appears attractive but I, I believe this could be again what we call a value trap as i look at kind of the revenue it looks like the revenue for the last few years has just been stuck in kind of that that 20 billion dollar range and kind of going forward analysts are projecting the same thing it's like negative one percent growth this year a one percent growth next year so i i don't see again that expansion so the expenses could or the, the growth in income could be due to cutting expenses and so forth, but I just don't see that as a lasting strategy. And, and I think what's gonna happen with this company is it's gonna change very quickly. Yeah. Um, and, and so if you're at the party too long, you're gonna get beat up. Again, you said the price of what, $46 a share. I think one day that will drop dramatically. In a year, it could lose easily 50% of the money. Well, it, it, here's the thing, it, it depends if they pivot. And if they pivot, correctly it so like could cannabis be fun. or something like cannabis yeah. if yeah. it takes off but that's almost like you're guessing so uh, it's almost like well just buy the cannabis companies then if cannabis is successful i'd rather buy something like that but, but here here's the problem with that i just realized if you've got 24 billion dollars in debt yeah. two billion in cash where are you going to get the money get money to buy the cannabis company so that could be the problem so it could be a partnership like i know molson cores Distribution. They yeah. they distribute the products yeah. for you know like they like have a light, uh, deal with Coca Cola to distribute the Topo Chico. Right. Maybe Altria could go that route. I, I perhaps yeah. that's something. But again, that's all kind of uh, perhaps. I don't like to invest on maybe. Yeah, and, and that's the thing too, Jim. Uh, bringing it back in the conversation here is that she's not going to talk about ourselves there. But it's just like I just don't see the point of holding on to this. We're trying to make excuses why to get that. I know people like the dividend. But, I mean, there's other companies. I mean, we have a great medical company that's paying a very good yield that has a great future where this one, it could be, but I, I just don't think it would be worth holding on to it. I, I would I would say get rid of it. So, already. And then just for the record, uh, Philip Morris is the international, uh, well, uh, I won't say arm, but <clears throat> Philip Morris is international and and Mo is, uh, Altria is just U.S., correct? Yes, I, I, I believe I, I didn't look at the summary, but I, I think that is just from prior um, analysis. I believe that's the case because uh, I knew they had the jewel. Uh, and yes, uh, Altria is the Yeah, Altria US. is the U.S. and Philip Morris. They, they, they were one company and then they split into two companies. And Philip sure. Morris is now the international. And I think Philip Morris could have some potential to grow because unfortunately, or I'll be able to phrase it, 
uh, I think the world, like some third world countries, actually do buy uh, or increase their smoking. So that's what I would, would check out. So maybe on a switch from Altria to Philip Morris, but but check those numbers as well. And interesting. Well, yeah, I'm, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Chase. Interesting. I just looked at the summary here. They have a ten percent interest in Anheuser Busch InBev. Uh, Altria? Altria does. Wow, that is interesting. Uh, they also have that. Uh, 35% economic interest in Jewel Lab, so that's where the lawsuits are coming right. from. And then Kronos, sure. a 42% stake, and I think Kronos actually might be marijuana. Mm, could be. Well, it sounds yeah. like they're looking around. So, yeah, it looks yeah. like they're yeah. trying to invest in different areas to to try and... Yeah. And it, and it could do very well, but the thing, too, I, I would just rather move on to something else. If I mean, we would not recommend... Mm. Uh, this, I mean, again, people get I know attracted to that high dividends, but I'd be very careful. Even though they have some good things going on, they they may not work out. And again, that debt is just so high with no cash. Yeah. So, all right, Jim. Yeah. No, I just yeah, it's uh, I bought a lot of companies in my life, and I got to the point where I said, you know what? If it doesn't make sense, where is as is? There's no sense buying it. You know. Ooh. Yes, I can maybe make it better, but it's got to make money today. Yeah. Good philosophy. Yeah. I like that. Jim, thanks for yeah. calling. And, you're welcome, guys, and thanks for being there. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. That does it over on the phone line, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Let's go up to Inglewood and speak with Dorian. Dorian, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, Brent and Chase. Uh, I live up here in the South Bay of Southern California, and Seven years ago, I, I'm on the San Diego Freeway, and they have this giant uh, was it Northrop Grumman building. I see it over there, and I said, you know, i got to have some of that. And, by the way, that's where they assembled the Webb Telescope. But anyway, I bought some for like about 160 bucks, and now I look at it, it's about 550 But anyway, what brought this to mind about getting some more is that this new B-2 bomber, it's called the B-21, they're going to buy 20 of them, and they're going to assemble them in Palmdale, like these bombers. So that sounds good, because that's a pretty big contract. And they have other things, and the company's been around forever. You know, it's a military company. And they have all kinds of high-tech stuff. So, you know, saying what it did in the past, it pays a dividend, and it also has a P.E. of about 15, so that's not too bad. So I thought, what do you think about getting some more? It's been good to me so far. Well, Northrop Grumman, NOC. Yep, let, let's look a little bit deeper at the Northrop Grumman symbols, NOC. They are in the aerospace and defense industry. Uh, not much float on the stock, 1.2%, 85% institutional owned. Uh, you are correct, the PE is 15.1 versus the industry at 91.5. So that aerospace and defense industry is very high at 91.5. Not sure why it's that high. Price of sales, though, is expensive, 2.4 versus 1.8. Price to book value, also expensive, 5.8 versus 4.4. And uh, staying on track with that is the price of cash flow is expensive, 39.5 versus 19. Now, you got to remember with the PE ratio, that's one that can be adjusted, so to speak, because you can move earnings. But your sales, you can't adjust those at all, cash flow and stuff. So uh, while the PE is cheap, the company does not appear to be cheap. Uh, we do see a peg ratio, also not very good, 7.3 versus 2.2. Now, the earnings over the last year are up 22.9%, not quite as good as the industry, up 26.1%. Sales, I'm surprised on this, down 5.5%. The industry was up 0.5%. 
and Northrop Grumman only has a five-year growth rate of 3%, well below the industry growth rate of 19.7. So I, again, surprised on that. I, I was expecting better numbers from this company. Uh, we do see that they pay a 1.3% dividend, only use 18.8% of the earnings to pay that out. So perhaps they could increase uh, the dividend somewhat there. We do see on the balance sheet, current ratio 1.1 versus 1.5. I'm okay with that. Debt to equity 1 versus 0.7. Yeah, that's okay as well. Net profit margin, very high, 15.7 versus 3.3. Brings it back to the PE ratio. Perhaps there's something going on, on the accounting side to make that net margin so high which also would make the PE so low. Return on equity looks good as well, 39.6 versus 10.2, and return on invested capital, 21.2 versus 6.7. Chase? And so current price here for Northrop Grumman, $528.94. 52-week high is $556.27, and the low, $364.62. Not surprised here, year-to-date up 38.6%. While we know a lot of other areas have struggled, I, I believe the defense areas of the market have done quite well because the Russia-Ukraine situation typically, uh, unfortunately, wars bring upon investment and investment impacts yeah. these companies. So uh, that is something that I'm looking at. But one thing that I'm going to say is generally we like to take advantage of situations like this where now a lot of other areas are cheaper is you've done well in defense. Perhaps it could be time to sell out of defense and find something else that, that is more valuable. And one thing I wanted to point out as well is, gosh, I look at the 10-year return on this company, 836.6%. That's a nice return. It's it's done phenomenal over the last 10 years. It's a great company. I mean, I see their buildings over all over San Diego here mm -hmm. as well. And, and one thing I wanted to kind of talk about as well is talking about getting out of Northrop Grumman. I mean, I'll go to December 2023. I see the estimated earnings per share $22.92. It gives a target sell price of $380.47. So it's generally in times like this, Dorian, where you want to take advantage of the increase in the stock price and increase in those valuations and, and get out of it because it appears earnings are actually going to be declining this year and next year based off of analyst opinions here. So I, I, I'd say get out of it and look for something else that that's, you can take advantage of during a depressed market. And, and actually, I, I noticed the earnings are down 16% over the last 90 days on the that $22.65, I think you said. So, so yeah, I mean, you've done very well in this, Dorian, uh, and I know it's hard to get rid of these companies. Um, also, to consider this, that what if next year, when hopefully this will happen, the Ukraine-Russia situation is settled, um, your, your, your defense stocks will fall. And I like defense, but I think the time has kind of come to say, yep, done well, let, let's move on. Find something that's on sale now, like you did when you found Northrop Grumman years ago at 160. All righty. Okay, because the I paid like 160 for it. I can, what, it, it isn't going to go to zero. I could keep that, but don't buy any more. Well, I, right. I, I mean, you can if you want to do that, but if, if you came to us as a client, we'd say we want to sell that to buy something else on sale because Northrop Grumman, great company, but not on sale. And you, It could be dead money for the next two, three, four years. Yeah, and you're getting a dividend of about 1.3%. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you're right. It, it's probably not going to go to zero, but you'd hate to see it go from 528 back down to 200. I, I don't see that happening. But even if it went down right. to our target sell price at 380, that was a wasted capital. You could have taken the money at 528, we'll call, and then bought something else that pays an even better dividend and could do much better over the next three, four, five years. Yeah. All righty. Great. Okay. Thanks very much, and I'll keep looking. Okay, Dorian. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 833-288-2557.
833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. And all lines are open, but right now it's time to talk about financial planning. For that, we turn to our financial planner, our CFP, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well. I'm calling you from the office today. I'm in here working away. Oh, well, well I'll be there in about an hour or so, so we'll see you then. <laughs> All right, perfect. <laughs> you won't be by yourself. <laughs> well, today, <Yeah. laughs> uh, today I like the topic uh, sole proprietor or S-Corp. I think a lot of small businesses go through this, what to do, so I'm glad you're going to touch upon this. Yeah, so um, sole proprietorship versus an S-Corp. Um, I'll start off with a sole proprietorship. Um, a sole proprietorship is the simplest business structure that you can set up. And usually it's common if, if you're just starting out, maybe you're starting off with a high side hustle or you're um, starting off a new business and you're trying to get going. It's very common to start out as a sole proprietorship. Um, it's just one person, just one owner in it. Um, with this, it's recorded on your Schedule C of your 1040. There you report your total revenue, you subtract your total expenses, and whatever's left is your profit. That profit is taxable to you on the federal and state level, and it is subject to what's called self-employment taxes. Self-employment taxes, this is a flat rate of 15.3%, which it's quite a lot since it's in addition to the federal and state taxes. So for example, if you're in the third federal tax bracket of 22% plus on the state side, another 9.3% plus you got the self-employment taxes, you could be looking at a marginal tax rate close to 50% on that um, income from your sole proprietorship. So this is why many people look at an S corp or a subchapter S corporation um, with this business structure, it has its own tax return called an 1120S. There you record your revenue minus expenses, just like your sole proprietorship. But with an S-Corp, you also pay yourself a wage. And this is considered an expense, so it reduces your profit. The reason this can be helpful is the S-Corp profit is not subject to that 15.3% self-employment tax. Only the wages that you pay yourself are. So... Your income, your gross income still comes out to be the same, but now a large portion of it is not subject to that big chunk of tax. So, for example, if you have a sole proprietorship and you have $200,000 in profit and you're looking at converting to an S-Corp, now maybe you'll pay yourself a wage of $70,000 and then you'll have that remaining $130,000 come to you as profit. So it's still the same $200,000 of income, but now... $130,000 of that of that income is not subject to uh, the self-employment taxes. So there there can be a great tax advantage um, of just converting over to that S-Corp. And, and Harrison, I mean, one thing I'm thinking about, because, you know, when you have a, a small business or a business owner, <clears throat> probably a lot more com complicated, this is a, a place where financial planning really can come into play because again, you talk about different ways to do this. Maybe their accountant does that for them, maybe they don't, but as a financial planner, these are another thing you look at for people with small businesses. Yeah, and it's, you know, it, as you mentioned, it is complicated. This is just one piece of, you know, the difference between those two. There's there's other considerations such as, you know, how much are you contributing to your 401k if you have one, if you have employees that can adjust what your 401k is and also how much you're 
able to contribute on a sole proprietorship versus S uh, corp. Another consideration is what your qualified business income deduction is. That'll be a little, little bit different between the two. Um, another change uh, or another difference would be if you are electing to have your um, state income taxes paid by the the business itself. It's called a pass-through entity tax election. Um, so all of those are additional considerations in addition to how the, the tax filing is. But you know all those things need to be considered to determine if it's actually going to be beneficial. And also, too, I think I'm just kind of listening to you. <clears throat> so important, again, as a business owner to have a, a CFP, a financial plan like yourself that really does financial plan, not just trying to sell product because you don't do that. You're on a salary. You, you, you don't get paid any commissions for doing anything. But um, to pull together the small business, because also, too, you got the taxes. What about the estate effect? You know, how does it affect the, the, the client's estate? I mean, to, to do this. Uh, so, so important, I, I think, to have a small business with a financial planner. And the liability is another yeah. thing as well that you, you got to take into consideration as a, a business owner. Yeah, that the liability side, I was going to touch on that. Um, you know, you can have, for example, an LLC. So you can have a business set up inside of the LLC, and then you can choose to have that LLC file as a sole proprietorship or an S-corp. So those are also two different things. Do you want to have the sole proprietorship just outright in your own name? Do you want to have it inside of an LLC? Does it make sense to have that LLC file as an S-corp? So, um, you know, that, that's another in- incredibly important part of it from the liability perspective. Yeah, and, and this is why it's so important for people, again, you have a small business to, to sit down with you. Again, they do get a free consultation in the beginning to talk about, you know, does this benefit them, does it not? But if you have a small business, another factor uh, on why you need a financial plan. Alrighty. All right. Well, uh, thanks for the time, guys. And uh, Brent, it looks like I'll see you in about an hour. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> about. It. I, I I get excited about going to the office every Saturday, and I, I get my Subway egg sandwich, I get my coffee, and I make my phone calls. So I really like it. So don't 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 interrupt my phone calls. So. <laughs> 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 we'll see you a little bit later, Harrison. Bye bye. Okay. All right. See you guys. Bye. All right, again, that's uh, Harrison Johnson, our CFP, our financial planner. Again, he is on a salary. There, there's no commissions. There's no selling products. He is not a salesperson. He is a true financial planner. He sits down, and he's told me that sometimes that initial consultation, once they want to become a client, is like two to three hours. I mean, to get that information, which is, is very important. Uh, but, again, if you want to have that uh, free consultation to see if financial planning will benefit you, uh, give him a call at the office, uh, 858-546-4306. That's 858 858- Five four six four three zero six, or go to the website. Send them an email: smartinvesting two thousand dot com. That's smartinvesting two thousand dot com, and just send them an email that you like to meet with them. All does right. a great job. Yeah, he does. Uh, a lot of clients say, "Gosh, I'm so glad I met." And we've had clients that you know, because they're our investing clients. They go, oh, "Okay, I'll I'll talk to him. He probably can't tell me anything, but I'll 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 I'll, I'll talk to him." And they come on the meeting like, "Wow." There's things I didn't even think about that he knew about. So. Yeah, and the nice thing too is, you know, we try and break investing down simply. Sometimes it's it's hard. You can't really break down accounting, but yeah. Harrison does a great job, uh, kind of putting everything in, in um, a simpler perspective. And you know, I was talking to one of his clients, uh, let's see, this past week actually, yeah, and and she was saying, you know, it was great because it was a three hour meeting, right? And she's like, he really was able to to break things down and. and make them so that I understood them as well. Right. And at the end, there's no like, okay, well, now you got to buy an annuity. Yeah. No, no. It's just a financial plan. So, all right, phone number is here, 833-288-0973. That's 
800-516-0973. Gosh, a slow Saturday today. All, all lines are open. So let's talk about solar energy because uh, solar energy uh, is the way of the future or is it just a passing fad? Uh, if it is energy of the future, the United States needs to catch up on manufacturing of the solar products like silicon, wafers, cells, and panels. China has spent nearly 10 times on solar manufacturing as what we have done here in the U.S. And, and that now means that China controls 80% of the supply chain. If we begin counting on solar for energy production in the years to come and relations with China deteriorate more, we will have a similar situation to what we had with the Middle East back in the 70s. And as a reminder... That was awful with the oil embargo. Oh, yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and people that are my age, they remember that, the, the, the gas lines and the odd and even license plates and everything we went through because we're dependent on another country. We seem to be starting the same thing here with, with China. Yeah, and, and we either have to slow down on changing over sol solar or rapidly increase our manufacturing of solar. And with our labor shortage here, I, I just don't see how we could catch China in the foreseeable future, unfortunately. And, and this is, again, something that we have to be very cognizant of, is there are a lot of different energy options, mm -hmm. but we got to be careful of relying upon other countries, especially ones that, that we have tensions with. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, you know that things may not be doing well in the future, and especially, I mean, the, don't want to get too political here, but if they do get stronger on Taiwan, the United States has to respond to that. I mean, we'd be in a very difficult situation. That's why we, we have companies like Intel uh, building chip manufacturing company or uh, locations, I guess mm -hmm. they're called, in what, Arizona, Ohio. Europe as well. Europe as well, because we can't depend on China. And there's even uh, 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 Apple. I've uh, been reading that Apple's having a little bit of a hard time. They're going to try to switch some of their manufacturing to, was it uh, India and Vietnam, mm -hmm. because of problems with China. And uh, with Taiwan Semiconductor as well, is they're building that plant in Arizona. And, and Apple, I believe, is planning on using uh, Taiwan Semiconductor's chips that are manufactured in Arizona. But I, I worry... Again, if something happens with Taiwan and China, how would that impact Taiwan Semiconductors? Yeah, because it's still a, still a Taiwanese company. Uh, and, and while it's employed with American citizens, you still have management back in Taiwan. That could cause all kinds of disruptions on the supply. I mean, it, so, so that's why I like that Intel's doing this. I think Intel is a company of the future because they're doing the right things to get us away from dependency on uh, China, which we're seeing the same thing develop now with, with solar. Yeah, and solar is great. I mean, it's it's almost like free energy, but it's just something that, um, you know, we, we got to realize that we've got to be a little more uh, smarter uh, going forward. And I was going to say real quick, too, just I, I know we got a couple callers, but I just want to say on Apple, I am going to be very curious to see what happens with their relationship with China. If they start pulling manufacturing out of China, I, I just worry China might be like, well, we don't want you here anymore anyway, so your phones, you can't sell them here. So I, it, it's, it's something, again, China's a wild card. People they need are. to understand that. You, you know, and I think Apple's trying to walk that fine balance of, you know, human rights, right. but not losing sales in China and, you know, manufacturing ability. It, it's, it's a, uh, let's just say I don't envy Tim Cook. And, and I, n I never forget the story. This was from about 30 years ago, back in the 90s. Uh, China kicked out Chrysler, said, get out. We don't want you anymore. And there's nothing you can do. And they said, oh, and by the way, leave all your equipment here, too. Yeah. <laughs> so it can happen. So it'd be difficult, but, again, that could be a, a very difficult thing for Apple. All right, let's go back to the phones here. Let's go down to Chula Vista and uh, speak with Michael. Michael, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? 
Good morning. I'm calling about Williams-Sonoma. I called a few weeks ago right toward the end of the show. We ran out of time. That was uh, right when the earnings came out and their outlook uh, kind of dropped the stock a little bit. So it's had a few weeks for the numbers to, to settle in. So if you can go over uh, Williams-Sonoma, WSM. All right. Well, we'll do that for him. Glad you called in a little bit earlier so we don't uh, so we can get to yeah. you. Uh, company again is Williams-Sonoma. Symbol is WSM. They're in the specialty retail industry. Wow. Short on the float is 20.9%. There's a lot of people thinking this stock is going to go down because they're shorting the stock. Institutional ownership because of that is now 102.8%. Uh, we do see that they just report earnings, uh, 1031.22. You've got a good P.E. ratio here of 7 versus 23.6. Price to sales looks okay at 0.9 versus 0.8. Price to book value, tangible book value is 5.8. The industry is not material, so big positive for uh, Williams-Sonoma there. And price of cash flow, 7 versus 14.8. And peg ratio is 1.4 versus 2. The lower that number, the better. We do see earnings are up 23.5%. That's very good. But the industry was up 35.3. Sales for Williams-Sonoma increased by 8.5%, which I think is pretty good. But the industry shows 83.4%, which sounds kind of strange. The five-year growth rate is a 4.9% for the company versus 7%. They pay a decent dividend here, 2.7%, and only use 18.2% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, we do see that they've increased that dividend for 10 years now. Uh, also on the balance sheet, got a current ratio 1.1 versus 2.1, debt to equity one, same as the industry. Net profit margin 13.5 versus 3.6, and return to equity, I bet you there's not much equity here, 83.2 versus 47.2. So I kind of like what I'm seeing uh, what do you see going forward, Chase? There's a current price here for Williams-Sonoma is $115.22. 52-week high, though, $182.02, and the low, $101.58. See year-to-date down 30.3%. I was going to say, too, I was actually walking through Williams-Sonoma on Black Friday. Uh -huh. They got a lot of cool little gadgets in there. For I'm, I'm not a great cook, but my wife likes to cook a lot. So I, it's a cool store. I was like, ooh, right. that, that's kind of fun. I, it's, it's higher end, though. And one thing I was going to say is I am curious – talk about like high-end luxury like purses and, and fashion that actually generally holds up pretty well during recessions i'm curious how william sonoma and, and pottery barn and west elm are two other businesses that they own i'm curious how like high-end furniture and cooking utensils hold up in recessions because could those get hit harder right and maybe that's weighing on the stock so I, i'd kind of want to look at, at perhaps some of the past history of how william sonoma does during those difficult periods but uh, looking forward to January 2024, I do see estimated earnings per share of $14.57. That actually give us a target sell price here of $241.86. Forward PE of about 7.9. So, I mean, the valuations on it look very attractive. I could perhaps like companies with a high short percentage when the fundamentals make sense because you could get an increase in the stock price and all of a sudden the shorts have to cover could lead to a nice catalyst to actually move that stock price higher quite quickly. And Michael, a couple of questions. Uh, have you ever been in, into a Williams-Sonoma? I have, yes. Do, do you like it? Yeah, they're, they're like Chase said, pretty pretty neat gadgets. <laughs> uh, definitely on the higher end price scale, so it, it, it's probably not something you want to fill your whole kitchen with, but uh, <laughs> a, few, a few things here and there would, would be okay. Because well, what, what I think it would take, because the numbers look pretty good on this, I think it's worth the research to look a little bit more. I mean, what, what are... What are what are somebody seeing to short this stock? What What is coming up? Is there something prominent? It could be because they say, oh, with a major recession, people will trade down from Williams-Sonoma to maybe a Target to get their kitchen tools. Um, 
We don't believe that's going to happen. So if we are correct and there's not a major recession, this company will probably do fine. If we're wrong and people start losing their jobs and the um, M2 declines to, you know, 16 trillion, which, by the way, that's what it was back in uh, 2019, uh, that could cause a problem. But I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, we actually have a company in our portfolio that has a high short position on it and it's driven the stock down. We keep buying it because we know the fundamentals very well and we like that company. It had to do the same thing here. And I, I think there's two kind of catalysts here weighing on William Sonoma. Number one is uh, I think maybe it's getting lumped in with housing and the higher interest rates and the housing slowdown. That could be impacting, obviously, retail is another thing. The other thing, too, I'd want to understand with William Sonoma is we, we've discussed a lot about the excess inventory in, in areas like Target. Yeah. Has William Sonoma been able to navigate the supply chain better? Because I remember they got kudos during COVID. They were able to quickly change their supply chain. How is their inventory levels as well? That could impact their earnings here in the short term. Might drive the stock lower. That might even present a better buying opportunity as, you know, I like to generally buy companies when they're having inventory issues. Yeah, so check the inventory. That's, that's a good point there. All righty. Okay, I appreciate your help. I'll do a little more research, and uh, you guys have a great weekend. All right, Michael, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, uh, Jeff in Massachusetts. Gosh, I, I call in a little bit early next week because we only got, what do we, we got what, a minute? Like a minute? minute, yeah. yeah. We got like a minute, right? Yeah, so uh, Frank's saying, he's just shaking his head. He's not saying yes or no. <laughs> saying, <laughs> about, 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 a about a minute, yeah. So, so Jeff, yeah, please call in next week. Call a little bit earlier. Because I know, wait, you're you're Massachusetts, so it is uh, what almost noon there. Yeah. So yeah, so give us a call next Saturday around eleven thirty your time. Yeah, yeah. So we because he wants to talk about Nike. I would have loved to look at Nike, and, and especially too. I was talking about inventory problems. Yeah, I know Nike stock got hit earlier this year due to inventory problems, oh. excess inventory. So that that's something that I'd be curious to see what the numbers look like on that company. Uh, I I was just kind of randomly looking to at retail. I saw Lululemon, which was a, a you know, big success story. So they were down like 12% yesterday as well. Inventory? I don't know if it was inventory. I think it was weaker guidance pushed it oh. down. But Lululemon traded at like 30, 40 times. It, it was obscene what they were trading at. It, it's one of those companies that just, it, and again, things will eventually change. has those high multiples. Chipotle selling burritos at, at, at uh, I think they trade around three times earnings. Some of these companies just do that. It will not last forever because everything does come back to the mean. Maybe this is the start of the decline for Lululemon. And again, uh, you know, great pants. I see a lot of women wear them. I think they even have guy stuff now. I, they do. Yeah. And I was going to say, I mean, there's competitors, especially here in San Diego. There's a, It's called Viore. Uh -huh. Oh, man, I love that company. They, they, they're really competing hard against Lululemon with that athleisure type uh, yep. situation. Uh, I like their products better. And they're kind of expanding quite quickly. So Lululemon was kind of the first mover, but... One problem being the first mover is it attracts other competition. They don't have that moat to yeah. keep people out. And again, if when you're the leader, people say, wow, they're selling a lot. Let's see what we can do to duplicate it. What's the name of that company again? Uh, Viore. Okay, because I, I know in, in UTC Mall over by the winery, which we go to dinner for, uh, there's a place next to there. It's not Lululemon, but they have the same type of yeah. clothes there, another competitor. Allo or something, I think. A-L-O. Yeah, I, I was there last night. But, uh, yeah, um, I, I try to keep Christina out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the thing, I, I mean, it's like, yeah, like you said, there's no mode. It's like, oh, they make comfy pants. I can make comfy pants. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it, it, if you can build that that brand as, you know, and Lululemon Nike, has done, Nike Nike's has competing against yep. you. Uh, so it's pink. Yep. So it's pink. Well, there's a closing bell. Thank you for, for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 
858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent Chase. We'll see. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. I did all that.